0: I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Trey Gowdy. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, August
1: 9th, 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. More migrants are coming to America. The numbers are rising again, and we take you to the Texas border.
2: Literally as soon as I pulled up here in Eagle Pass, I hadn't even got out of my car, and I looked up in the river, and I saw a a human chain of people walking across the water. It's just very common, and it's almost nonchalant out here. It's not hard to find illegal crossings. They happen right in front of you.
3: I'm Alex Hogan. Public confidence in the military is the lowest it's been in decades. Recruitment is down, and at the same time...
4: I think we have some of the greatest threats facing this country that we have ever faced in American history.
5: And I'm Lee Greenwood, and I have the final word on the Fox News Rundown.
1: The number of migrants stopped crossing the border illegally, growing again after slowing down in the spring, prompting Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to say at a House hearing last month that their policies are working, earning the praise of Democrats like Congressman Jerry Nadler. My Republican colleagues claim that the border is open. Is the border open, Mr. Secretary? No, it is not. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. The border is not open, and to say so is not only false, but is really an insult. GOP Congressman Chip Roy? Not so kind to Mayorkas as some Republicans push for his impeachment.
2: I showed you before, when you were here, the lost voices of fentanyl, the... Hundreds, the thousands of Americans that continue to die, 90,000
1: since you came into this committee and lied to us saying we have operational control. And this is a big issue for Republicans running for president.
0: We have a weak president who won't take it seriously, and a lot of people are suffering and dying, dying because of it.
1: That's former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley. Senator Tim Scott went to the border in Yuma, Arizona last week.
2: If we finish the wall, use technology, fire Joe Biden, and hire me, I will be the president that finishes the wall and takes seriously the opportunity to save tens of thousands of Americans from the drug of fentanyl.
1: Doug Burgum, North Dakota's governor, has been an eagle past Texas the past two days. The national security Cost of this open border is going to be around for decades in our country because of of
4: the failure of the Biden administration right now.
1: Governor Burgum is also the commander in chief of his state's national guard and sends soldiers there back in May. North Dakota has deployed
2: resources here to, to help out with the state of Texas. But he essentially said what's happening here is just a complete national security. Crisis.
1: That's Fox News national correspondent Bill Malugin, who's back in Eagle Pass, Texas, and talked to the governor at the border.
2: He said he got a briefing from Border Patrol in the morning, who told them that people from more than 98 different countries have crossed here in this Del Rio sector, including special interest countries, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Yemen, that sort of a thing. Uh, He said that if he's elected president, he would be down at the southern border visiting within two weeks. Uh, He said it took Biden, you know, (laughs) his entire political career to finally visit the border. He says it's something he would take very, very seriously as governor. He's used to dealing with the northern border as governor. But he says the southern border is obviously in, in, in crisis right now.
1: He's one of the governors that responded to a plea for help from Governor Abbott in Texas, right?
2: yeah yeah he sent uh north dakota i believe troopers as well as north dakota national guard down here um and he was visiting some of them and that that's part of why he was down here but yes north dakota has resources deployed here in texas
1: when you talk to border patrol agents when you go back down there is it feeling different now i know it's hotter now is it different than it was earlier the last time you were there
2: um, a little bit. The numbers are a little bit lower than the peaks that we were seeing last year. But again, they're starting to ramp up again. So it, it, it feels different in that we're not seeing these masses of thousands, you know, 10,000 a day we were seeing back in May. But the numbers are gradually rising again. Uh, and it feels the same as that literally as soon as I pulled up here in Eagle Pass, I hadn't even got out of my car. And I looked up in the river and I saw a, a human chain of people walking across the water. It's just very common and it's almost nonchalant out here. It's not hard to find illegal crossings they happen right in front of you and um, the the numbers just keep going up and different parts of the day morning through sundown we'll have groups of you know 50 to 100 uh, just walking across the river in broad daylight crossing illegally Um, down in the Rio Grande Valley more the same they're starting to see a lot more family units showing up Um, illegal crossings are spiking along the southern border uh, up about 30 percent in July told the first week of August they're up even higher Uh, The Tucson, Arizona sector is getting hit the hardest right now, pushing upwards of almost 2,000 illegal crossings per day in recent days. So after a brief lull when Title 42 ended in May, um, the illegal crossings are starting to surge once again all along the southern border.
1: Why was there the lull? There was the record surge right before Title 42 ended, and then it tapered off some. Why?
2: Well, there's a, there's a lot of theories as to what happened. The, the one that a lot of people, a lot of the border contacts tell me is, is it was a new system, and the cartels and the smugglers had to figure out how the new system works. Um, The Biden administration was promising more consequences under Title VIII and that people will be deported, but they're still mass releasing people into the country. So now the cartels are able to advertise, well, yeah, Title 42 is gone, but not a whole lot has changed. If you get to the United States, they're still going to release you into the country. You still have a good chance of that happening. So now, despite triple digit temperatures all along the southern border, they're getting uh, big numbers again. And some certain sectors are starting to get overrun. Um, another one of the reasons why the numbers dropped so much was Texas changed its posture. They started getting really aggressive in May where they were putting barbed wire up everywhere and they were physically stopping people from crossing the river. Stuff like that spreads on TikTok and these social media apps that the migrants use. And all of a sudden they're thinking, well, it's, it's, it's not just being welcomed in with open arms anymore. We're, we're getting some resistance. We might have to move areas. And lo and behold, now the Tucson, Arizona sector is getting hit the hardest.
1: There is a legal battle over a barrier at the Texas border, one that floats in the Rio Grande River with orange buoys topped with razor wire. Republican Governor Greg Abbott calls the barrier necessary to stop illegal river crossings, vowing to fight all the way to the Supreme Court to keep it in place. After the federal government filed a lawsuit trying to get a court to order the barrier be removed, claiming it's not just unsafe, it's illegal. Mexico calls those floating buoys a human rights and safety concern. And after the bodies of two migrants were found in the river not far from those buoys, Mexico is also demanding the barrier be removed.
2: They're in a small stretch of the river here in Eagle Pass. It's a, it's a pretty, I think it's like a thousand yards or something like that. It's not, it's not a super big area, but essentially they stop migrants from walking through the river and just coming into the United States in that area. You can't climb over them. Um, I don't. I don't think you can really swim underneath them. They're just meant to be a, a barrier to stop people from being able to walk across the river where they have been in these these big hot spots. Before. Okay. How and,
1: deep yes, is the are. water along there?
2: It Depends it depends with the current some days we see people walking across and it's up to their knees other times It's well up to their throats. It just kind of depends if there's been rains if if water's being released from dams up river It's it's always different also de- depends on the different time of day But a lot of the times when we see people people crossing it's like waist or below it, it, it can be it can be shallow
1: now another thing that I know that is being given attention in the last couple of days The fight ongoing, of course, with human smugglers and the drug cartels. The other day, some armed gunmen got into the U.S. They still don't know where they are. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's correct. So I got some photos from a law enforcement source down in the Rio Grande Valley, which show that Saturday night, um, a drawbridge camera, which are these cameras that Border Patrol sets up along the border, captured three armed suspected cartel gunmen crossing illegally into the Fronten, Texas area. Uh, You can see they all have rifles, AR-15 style rifles. Some of them are dressed up in body armor and they're walking past the camera through the brush as they go deeper into the United States. And I'm told that um, elite Border Patrol BORTAC agents were called out to the area to try to find these guys, but they came up empty. They were not able uh, to find anybody. And this happened Saturday night, 8.30 p.m., Just days after here in Eagle Pass, Texas DPS saw an armed human smuggler in the river armed with a rifle guiding a group of illegal immigrants across the water. They had their drone above him, and he ended up making it back to Mexico with the rifle. He was not captured, neither were these guys in the Rio Grande Valley. So, yeah, it's concerning seeing these smugglers and cartel affiliate guys just walking into the United States essentially armed with rifles.
1: And there's also a lot of fentanyl, right, still being attempted to get across. I'm sure a lot of it gets across. A lot of it is stopped.
2: Massive amounts. One one port of entry in Nogales, Arizona, one day last week, CBP says uh, they seized over 870,000 fentanyl pills. And that port of entry in Nogales since October 1st has already seized more than forty million fentanyl pills. That is one single port of entry out of more than three hundred around the country. So it's enormous amounts that traffickers are trying to get into the united states
1: yeah and there was i think a meth seizure along the far international bridge which uh goes from texas into mexico that's in a different area uh along the border i think closer to the coast than you are and it was hidden inside of a shipment of vegetables like 500 pounds of this drug i mean this doesn't seem to even this doesn't seem to stop or even slow down
2: Yeah, no, it doesn't. And that's that's right. Far is down in the Rio Grande Valley. And we've seen the smugglers hide drugs and all sorts of things. As you mentioned, vegetables, we've seen them hidden in onions. We've seen them in like stereo systems. They strap them to human bodies. I mean, they they hide them in all sorts of things. They hide them in nooks and crannies of cars. Um, And what people don't realize is less than five percent of all commercial traffic at ports of entries is is scanned by cbp they're trying to update the technology and get more of it but most vehicles that go through are not scanned so who knows how much is actually getting into the country
1: in the battle over what policies are best to handle illegal drug smuggling and immigration vice president harris took aim at republicans at a conference of u.s latino leaders in chicago two weeks ago
0: across our nation extremists. So-called leaders demonize, target, and attack immigrants. Inhumane, outrageous, and un-American.
1: And the vice president took issue with Texas border enforcement after a state trooper alleged last month superiors ordered officers at the border in Eagle Pass to push migrants back into the river, including nursing mothers and young children, denying them drinking water. The State Department of Public Safety is investigating that. It's something Bill Malugin says he's not seen or heard of.
2: With Texas DPS, no. I mean, what, what we've seen is they often rescue people, give them water, pull them out of the water. I mean, keep in mind, through Operation Lone Star, a Texas National Guard soldier drowned here in Eagle Pass last April trying to rescue people he saw in the water. They didn't say anything about that. I mean, every time we, we've been out here two and a half years almost now, and we've seen rescue after rescue, drowning after drowning. We've never seen abuse or people thrown back in the water or anything like that. We've seen Texas DPS going after and arresting runners and criminal elements and then helping and saving families, women, and children, whether they're injured, dehydrated, pregnant, that sort of a thing.
1: Bill Malugin, national correspondent for Fox News in Eagle Pass, Texas. Always good to talk to you when you're at the border. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks, man, have a good one.
5: This is Lee Greenwood, and your Fox News commentary is coming up.
3: This year, the Army, Air Force and Navy all expect to fall short of their recruiting goals. At a Senate Armed Services Committee hearing this past March, Rhode Island Senator Jack Reid highlighted this worsening trend. The
1: military service are having significant difficulties filling their ranks. Last year, the force fell tens of thousands of recruits short of its goals and the same appears likely this year.
3: So- Why, how did we get here? The recruitment issue has been one of the many concerns for the US military recently. Public confidence in the military has dropped. And one reason for that is the handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal, according to critics, especially the gold star families who lost their loved ones. This week, Congressman Daryl Issa brought those families who lost their loved ones in the exit to speak at a congressional forum where they demanded accountability. My son
4: gave 11 years of his life to this
1: country. Um, I think that deserves some dang respect and I didn't get that respect when he died for his country.
0: I think it's important for the American people and the public to know the truth. we're still waiting for the
3: truth. Those gold star mothers, they paint a picture of the distrust and disappointment that they say they now feel in the military. And they're not alone. American confidence in the military has dropped to its lowest in 25 years to just 60 percent, according to a Gallup poll from the summer.
4: The army alone is down between last year and projections for this year, nearly 40%. Soldiers.
3: This is Michael Waltz, Florida Congressman and retired Green Beret Colonel of the US Special Forces.
4: It will take a decade to rebuild and fill. That's assuming that the downward spiral stops. So this lack of public confidence I think comes from a number of places. Uh, first and foremost will be the debacle and disaster. That was the Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, I think that's affected a lot of current active duty members thinking about having their kids join a military that would be treated in such a way. And then there's the political aspects of it. Uh, And I think that's had a huge impact. Uh, The military's recruiting base is in the Midwest and the South. And, you know, I don't know any family that wants their kid to join and be told that they come from privilege or that they're oppressors because of the color of their skin or because of past wrongs in American society. So I think the bottom line is we have to get politics out of our military. We need to get it refocused on winning our wars and being ready to defend the homeland. And that is something I, for one, have been laser focused on as a chairman of military readiness on the House Armed Services Committee.
3: Yeah, well, there's also, of course, uh, the issue of sexual abuse, there's suicide, uh, concerns that it's yeah. too extreme, as you mentioned, too wokes so right now. As you just try to tackle public perception, I mean, where does that even begin? Do we need to be having more conversations about what needs to change? Do we need to implement more policy on on an immediate level?
4: Yeah, we need to take seriously any type of sexual abuse or sexual assault, and of course, uh, a, a mental health crisis and the suicides, Um, But at the same time, I think that narrative, while well-intended, has been so Mm -hmm. strong that it's giving a lot of people the impression that, hey, I don't want my daughter to join the military and and have to deal with that, or I don't want uh, my child to come out with all of these mental and physical health issues. And so to answer your question, what we need in the short term is our leaders in the Pentagon, out in schools, out in colleges, out in the inner city and and the Rust Belt Midwest, saying the military is a great place to be. America is absolutely worth defending. Uh, Here are all the instances where the military was a pathway out of poverty and into the middle class for generations of America and talking about the skills and the patriotism that's involved there. So really, in the short term, what we need is leadership that America is the greatest country on Earth. And the military is certainly a place that any family would want their child to have the, you know, to have the real benefits and lifelong benefits of service.
3: Okay, so more messaging schools about the inclusivity that people could feel and the benefits that people do feel when they do come out of military that service that camaraderie that pride in this country now taking a a little diversion from that but talking about people who do Mm -hmm. want to be in this country so desperately with the number of migrants arriving in the US which has put a large strain on small border towns and even major cities like New York City what do you think about offering them citizenship if they serve. We've already seen a growing number of legal immigrants enlisting with a fast track to citizenship. So what about some of these groups of migrants who are arriving, what's your opinion on that?
4: Well, we have a history in the United States that if you're a legal immigrant and you put in, it's varied over the years, but that you put in a period of service, you're know, you willing to die for this country that you fought to come to, but yet did so legally, that you have a, a pathway to citizenship, but I can't see supporting at all. Uh, and it actually would incentivize, I think, illegal immigration and incentivizing that and giving that a pathway to, to service. That's not something I, or I think any Republican would support.
3: Now, going back to a topic that you had mentioned earlier, the Afghanistan withdrawal, one of the Mm -hmm. reasons that we're seeing right now for dissatisfaction with the military, uh, this week Gold Star families of the 13 U.S. service members who were killed in the Kabul suicide attack, they spoke before Congress. Uh, It was a very moving and emotional moment, many of them saying that they wanted accountability. Do you think that that's something that they will receive?
4: Well, I'm certainly uh, thrilled that they had this opportunity, and they should have had it years ago. Uh, And and they do need to be heard. Their stories need to be told. I've dealt with Gold Star families as a now-retired colonel, sadly, my entire career, and their grief is just overwhelming. But I've never dealt with a group of Gold Star families that were so angry. And the reason they're so angry uh, is they feel like they've been lied to. Many of them feel like they've been misled on exactly how their sons or daughters died. Uh, some of them still don't have all of their personal remains and uh, or effects uh, from their loved ones. And then finally, to hear uh, President Biden and uh, his cabinet repeatedly describe the withdrawal as an outstanding success is just gut wrenching to these families. And on top of that, to have zero accountability, not one official fired, relieved, even laterally transferred, as a result of it, I think, has just been a slap in the face to every one of them. And will we see accountability? Well, I can tell you we have ongoing investigations uh, in the House. We've uncovered a number of things. Um, But sadly and frankly, disgustingly, in my view, we've been stonewalled at every turn to get any additional information. But we're going to continue to press. And my promise to those families and every veteran out there is that uh, we're not going to let this go. And as long as I'm in this position, uh, we're not going to forget.
3: And as you mentioned, that's, you know, a major concern on potential recruits minds, their families who might see their child enlist and the dangers of what could happen if they are sent overseas anywhere. So when we talk about the goals of our military, what are some of the other greatest threats that you see around of the world when it pertains to U.S. national security right now?
4: Well, unfortunately, I I think we have some of the greatest threats facing this country that we have ever faced in American history. And I don't mean that to sound hyperbolic or kind of over over the top. I truly believe that to be the case. We have never faced an adversary like we face in, in the Chinese Communist Party that has an economy as large as ours, but that also has created so many dependencies that make our economy go. Everything from computer chips to pharmaceuticals to the raw materials that go into uh, EVs, uh, solar panels, and this green new economy that the administration's driving us towards, which is putting us right into our greatest adversaries' clutches. And has a military that is now eclipsing the U.S. military with a navy that's larger than the U.S. Navy, with a space force that's launching more uh, than us and the rest of the world combined, and with a nuclear arsenal that's on track to triple. That's just China alone. So all of that overlaid with 33 trillion in debt now, uh, I think that's the existential question of our time. It's how we deal with all of that with the rising debt problem.
3: Well, pertaining to China, as you just mentioned, Russia and China conducted a joint naval patrol near Alaska, and there's been Mm -hmm. a lot of pushback from Republicans saying that the Biden administration needed to take a more stern response. So, in your opinion, what would a proper response be to what we just saw?
4: Yeah, and then, by the way, I don't mean to make everyone want to drink, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as they listen to this. But um, but these are very serious problems that we face, and that's why you continue to hear from Republicans, like, of course, we want equal opportunity for every American to serve. And of course, you know, we have to deal uh, with, with the climate, but they shouldn't be the number one and two priorities for the United States military, given the threats that we face. In terms of dealing uh, with the flotilla, I mean this was an 11 warship flotilla that a combined China and Russia put right off the coast of Alaska and it speaks to a couple of things. One, the decline of our own navy. We were only able to muster four ships uh, mm-hmm. to go out and and meet this group. You know, Biden's last two defense budgets have retired more navy ships than we're building. So we're we're going in the wrong direction there and we need to reverse it. And number two, it speaks to the growing importance of the Arctic. As the ice is retreating up there, uh, it's exposing vast oil and gas reserves, huge fisheries that were previously inaccessible, and actual shipping lanes. We'll start to see commercial ships flowing over the north of Canada and the north of Russia uh, as it goes between Europe and Asia and the United States, rather than through the traditional routes of the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal. And the Chinese and Russians want to dominate that. So we need a greater presence in the Arctic. We need to invest in our Navy, and we need to help our allies defend themselves. So
3: investing in the military, trying to ramp up the number of ships, uh, increasing ammunition, all of this, uh, major points that we've heard. And ideally, I think most Americans likely would agree that it's an important issue. Do you think it's a difficult topic to bring up right now when so many Americans are worried about things like inflation and cost of living
4: well look i think we need to win or lose this and really have this competition economically before it gets to any type of military you know Mm -hmm. what does that look like it looks like bringing our supply chains back home Uh, if we can't get them to the united states let's at least get them to allied countries like australia and india i think the right approach and the approach that we're not seeing from the biden administration instead we see john Kerry on bended knee asking for and giving more concessions on climate when you have the most polluting country in the world is the Chinese Communist Party that's opening more coal-fired power plants than the rest of the world combined. <laughs> but yet they're using this obsession coming out of this White House as leverage uh, in all of those other spaces. And, uh, and it's moving us backwards uh, in this competition with China.
3: Now, another global story that the world is watching right now is Niger. The military overthrew the government at the Mm -hmm. end of July and ousted the democratically elected president, Mohamed Bazoum. So neighboring African countries, they've warned that they could intervene if he's not reinstated. And countries, including the U.S., have started evacuating some of their citizens. But there's still about 1,000 U.S. troops that are stationed there. A lot of the effort there is focusing on counterterrorism efforts. So can you break down for our listeners what danger does this tension pose for counterterrorism efforts, not just for the U.S., but all Western allies?
4: Yeah, sure. So, I've served in Niger as a Green Beret. Most of our troops there are Special Operations Forces. And the the president that was ousted was a key ally in taking on terrorism in that part of Africa. So, it, it matters from that standpoint. We certainly don't want another attack on the homeland stemming from there. But it also matters in this global competition for natural resources filling the void and supporting the generals involved in this coup uh is the russian mercenaries the the wagner group Uh, and they've deeply embedded in neighboring countries now they're supporting this coup and really what's at stake some of the world's largest uranium mines are at stake uh huge gold and other types of minerals like cobalt manganese I won't go down the list of all the critical minerals, but these are the raw materials that make our economy go. And what has this administration done? They seemingly have kind of thrown up their hands, evacuated our embassy and are shrugging their shoulders, which is, you know, once again, the Russians and Chinese are gonna fill the void.
3: Well, it is a story we will be watching for sure. Thank you for your insight and for your time. Florida Congressman Michael Waltz, thanks again.
4: Hey, thank you so much. Other
1: news.
0: I'm Gianna Gelosi calling all monster hunters. The Loch Ness Center in Scotland needs your help for the self-described largest search for the Loch Ness monster since the 1970s. The search for Nessie is planned for August 26th and 27th. The Loch Ness Center is located in an old hotel where in 1933 the manager reportedly spotted a water beast in the loch. It's the largest body of freshwater by volume in the UK and one of the deepest. The alleged sighting kicked off a worldwide fascination that persists to this day and the Loch Ness Center says this search is planning on using modern technology like drones to, quote, search the waters in a way that has never been seen before. Volunteers are going to be tasked with keeping an eye out for any movements in the water. Loch Ness Monster experts hope to inspire a new generation of Loch Ness enthusiasts. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gian Gelosi. Hey, everyone, it's Kennedy, and you can
3: listen to my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It's going five days a week on the Fox News Podcast Network. We're bringing you all the fan favorites. Listen on Spotify, Apple, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download podcasts.
1: Subscribe to this podcast at Foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary.
5: Lee Greenwood. What's on
1: your mind?
5: So this latest cancel culture attack has struck directly through the heart of country music as the mob has come for one of our most popular country stars, Jason Aldean. And make no mistake, this isn't just about Jason, who is a friend, and I'm also a fan. This is about all of us in country music. The freedom of expression is under attack, and we're increasingly seeing it throughout our culture. And yet, freedom of speech and creative expression are essential to having a free country. It's the American way of life. And canceling artists is anti-American. It's insidious. And if it gains a foothold, it's gonna take another generation to really weed it out. So I myself was canceled from the National Endowment of the Arts by President Joe Biden, just one year into his administration. A curt letter was sent to me and no explanation was given. And oddly enough, I had served presidents on both sides for over a decade first appointed to the NEA by President George W. Bush and then served eight years under President Barack Obama and then four years under President Donald Trump before receiving the news as being terminated. So I presume the reason I was canceled is due to my song God Bless the USA being played at former President Donald Trump's rallies and my refusal to demand he stop using it. As some critics have suggested I do. But the reason I won't give in And the reason Jason Aldean won't back down is we know how this ends. As I was writing, God Bless the USA, which commemorates its 40th anniversary this year, I witnessed firsthand my grandparents on their Sacramento, California farm struggle with the Cold War regulations that shut down their grain production in response to our battles with the Soviet Union. And I saw what that did to their livelihoods. And that's where I got the inspiration for the opening line of the song. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. The large red tractor, which appears in the official video for the song has become a symbol that so many Americans tell me as I travel across the country that they see as a symbol of hard work, perseverance, and the American way of life. And we must ensure that we don't allow the cancel culture to take our freedom of expression away. In response to the cancel culture, I'm committing the rest of my life to freedom of expression, to country music, and to America's veterans who have died and served to protect those freedoms. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm inviting all Americans to join me in going to AdoptAVet.com and sending veterans to the movies this Veterans Day for a special salute to country music, a genre that celebrates all that is great about America. And I also encourage CEOs of companies to step up, join us in supporting America, freedom of expression and free enterprise by just buying out a theater for veterans in their communities. Without patriotic American company support, the cancel culture mob wins every time. We must send a message to every coiler of free speech that their actions are not welcome here. As my song says, that the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. May God bless our country music artists, our veterans, and may God bless the USA. I'm Lee Greenwood. I'm a country music artist from Nashville, Tennessee, and proud of our artistry and the things we create.